thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. Trying to think of a basketball player named Kirk. Kirk Heinrich. That'll be you. That's me. I think that might be the only basketball player ever named Kirk in the history of the NBA. I could be wrong about that. but Well, now you just gave me a goal. I think I would need to be the second one, just like that. There we go. Me and my jumbo pop skyball that i have here on the video record it's i think it's <laughs> i love how uh, you just found like a, a rubber toy ball like not even like a toy basketball but just like a green <laughs> like a bright green rubber ball well you know how we do you know when they when they train uh players over in the dominican for uh for baseball right they use like tiny little walnuts and like broomsticks right like that's that's fact. And I think that's because I it's like, hard to get baseballs over there, though. Like you have, you right. probably have access to. Yeah, there's probably one around my house, but I have more <laughs> of these. <laughs> so I feel like this is league appropriate, or it will be by the time I am the second Kirk in the NBA. And I feel like uh, Kirk Hendricks, Heinrichs, Heinrich, Heinrich, gotta... Kirk Heinrich. Man, I oh. hated Kirk Heinrich. Nothing personal, nothing oh. personal, but he was a really annoying player to play against. Really was. Who do you play for? Uh, Chicago Bulls, among others, mm-hmm. but man, man, oh man. And I'll, I'm your other co-host, by the way. I'm Cam. Ooh, basketball player named Cam, Cam, Cam. Cam Newton. Football. Cam. Rats. There's lots of Cams in football. The rosters are bigger. Cam Reddish. I'll be Cam Reddish. Oh, is he, he good? Plays, he plays, eh. He's better than me, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, he plays for the New York Knicks, if that tells you anything. Um, okay. But no, he's he's good. He went to Duke. He's a good player. So why are we talking about basketball? You're probably asking yourself this if you haven't already turned off the podcast because you're like, listen to these bozos. But the reason is Hustle, the Netflix film that is topping the Netflix top 10 films for the second week in a row. Um, I shouldn't say that. For it's, it's in its second week is what I should say. It's, and it's been the top of the top 10 in movies the entire time. It stars Adam Sandler stars Wancho Hernan Gomez, who is a real NBA basketball player. This film is chock full of them. Queen Latifah, um, not an NBA player, but is also in this movie. I feel, um, I've heard rumors that she's like really good at ball. Like just oh, like I guarantee through the years. It. Yeah. I guarantee it. I mean, you know, Adam Sandler really is. Adam right. Sandler can, can absolutely ball and like does on a regular basis. I'm sure we will get into that in our, uh, discussion here but that is the film we're talking about kirk we're going to be reviewing it it will be a spoiler full review though i would say like you know this isn't the kind of movie that you're really worried about spoilers on um so sorry i just on the stream i just or on the video i just covered us up with the logo of the movie but uh this this isn't the the kind of movie you're worried about spoilers on in the way that you would be like any sort of like major franchise or something like that you know this is just like it's a sports movie. So I will get into the synopsis if you are ready for that, Kirk. I am so ready for it. All right, Here's here we go. It. Hustle is a Netflix movie starring Adam Sandler as Stanley Sugarman, who is a scout, um, which is a person who evaluates talent um, for the Philadelphia 76ers, which is an NBA team. His dream is to become an assistant coach with the team or, or his, his dream is to become the coach of the team, but baby steps. He wants to be an assistant coach. He wants to be on the bench helping the team. Um, because when you're a scout, you often have to travel all over the place to evaluate players and do things like that. 
He finally gets a vote of confidence from the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, a uh, fictional character named Rex Merrick, who's played by Robert Duvall, actually, uh, which is pretty cool. And uh, right after he gets the job, that character, Rex Merrick, passes away, and the son of the team, uh, or of the team owner, uh, played by Ben Foster, takes over the team. Um, Wayne Merrick or something like that uh, is his character's name. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll double check the Vince. Sorry, Vince. I knew it was a W or a V. Vince Merrick takes over the team and says, "Nope, you're too valuable as a scout. We need you back as a scout." But he says the condition is if you can find me one player that's gonna take our team over the top because I made a big mistake in the draft. If you can find me that player for cheap, you get your job back. And so that is what Adam Sandler is hell bent on doing. And he's out evaluating players when he stumbles upon a guy wearing construction boots in a pickup basketball game who's hustling people for money in basketball, and he decides to try to turn him into the NBA's next big star. Bo Cruz is the name of the character, and that is the synopsis of Hustle. Anything I missed? Swish. Nothing but net on that synopsis. Love it. All right, Kirk. Let's get into this. Lots of interesting things to discuss. Um, sports movies in general are, you know, they've been around for a while. The, the modern sports movie, I, th- I think everybody has seen some version of a modern sports movie. So the, the question will be, is this one of those? Does it divert from the formula? Does it lean into the formula? Uh, you know, is it good with a good payoff? And, and anytime you have real NBA players or MLB players or whatever in a movie, the question is, does it hold up? Do they do a good job? So we'll get into all of that. But let's start, as we always do, with our first category and award, and the Oscar goes to. I will kick us off by giving my Oscar to who else but the Sandman himself, Adam Sandler. Has to be Adam Sandler, I think, for the normal things that you would expect, which is that Adam Sandler once again is able to tap into a dramatic version of, of himself for this film. Um, you know, it's, it's not a role that diverges too much from his own personality or his own reality as someone who lives in a metropolitan area, has a family, knows a lot about basketball. As we talked about in the open, Adam Sandler is, is a baller. He plays, he plays well. He hits the parks in New York and plays with people. Um, he has a lot of respect around the industry. Um, so while he's not, you know, while he is a professional actor and not a talent scout for the NBA, he does know this world very well. Um, and so for that reason, it didn't have to be a transformative performance like the one that we saw in Uncut Gems, but nevertheless, he turns in a performance that is really good. I mean, really, really good. Um, tons of heart. His same, you know, his humor is there. They, they have that sprinkled all throughout the movie, but he just brings a level of heart and a level of realism to it. Um, he, he carves out a really layered, nice character with lots of different things going on, lots of different competing factors. You feel like at any given point in the movie, you understand the things he's considering in his head, and it's more than just, I got to get this guy into the NBA. There's so many different competing forces and themes and factors that are affecting this character. But what I love the most about Adam Sandler in this movie is his ability to take these guys who are former NBA players, current NBA players, non-actors, and like he did with Kevin Durant, I always want to say Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett in Uncut Gems, take them and turn them into actors by leveling with them, 
taking their delivery and just seamlessly kicking a line back at them in dialogue, changing his delivery on the line ever so slightly to make the conversation feel natural and flow and just making these guys feel comfortable and literally like a good point guard. And like I say all the time as a cliche, elevating all of his teammates to be better um, than they would be. So the sum of the parts is elevated. Um, And he does that so well in this movie when he is in the scenes with those guys, it is so noticeable that he is just bringing their game up. And he's, you know, that uh, in the meantime, and I heard Kevin Garnett in a podcast whenever he was filming uncut gems talking about how Adam Sandler would coach him, coach him up, tell him, Hey, relax. We casted you as you be you. I'll be, I'll be my character, but you go out there and be you and we're going to make this work. And that's what he was doing with these guys. And it was so impressive. So have to give it to Adam Sandler who continues to amaze me with what he can do on the screen. The man has no limits. Like a good point guard, Kevin Garnett is there. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Garnett's not a point guard, but yes. Oh, I tried so hard. <laughs> I tried so hard. I was just so excited when you said like a point guard. I thought you were going there, and so I needed that to be in this episode. <laughs> it might get flagged for audio. We'll see, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see. Because yeah, you were pitch perfect I, on that. Exactly. They're going to be like, <laughs> wait a second. The algorithm will seek it out. Uh, I, my Oscar also goes to the Sandman, Adam Sandler. This man is quite a mystery. Quite a mystery. One could equate that, you know, Adam Sandler, when he was a youngin, he when he came on the scene in SNL, he was a little disruptive. He was, uh, he didn't act like anyone else. He didn't crack jokes like anyone else. He marched to the beat of his own drum and people loved him no matter what. In a way, he's like the old Pete Davidson. Now, the today's Pete Davidson is destructive and has a lot of other factors going on, but the semblance is there, right? The fact that he came in, he was the youngest uh, cast member, and he had all these fresh ideas and he was braver than anyone you eh, anyone out there and he just went for it and that's what adam sandler continues to do a long history of comedy uh, successes and flops and onto his latter half of his career in his 50s here now he is and we're just seeing these incredible incredible performances where he's digging deep i mean this role takes on defeat this character takes on loss recovery uh, the climb back to success, uh, the struggle with that, and all in all, on the surface, you see people respect him, but then behind closed doors, you know, they some don't want that for him still. Some do, some don't, which is so real and probably realistic of people's idea of Adam Sandler uh, himself. So what, what I love in this the most is that art is imitating life and vice versa through this, and that Adam Sandler hones in on that and creates such a perfect character, such a realistic character, such an honest person and an honest telling of what this story is and, and who uh, Stanley Sugarman is. It's, it's so incredible that we're witnessing this. I mean, this, this role could have been a throwaway role to any different actor, but because it was Adam Sandler and because of the work that he did with the other actors, much like Cam said, he helped make this such a wonderful collaborative masterpiece. And I'm really excited to see what other roles Adam takes on because him and I are on a first name basis. Adam and I 
uh, <laughs> I, I want to see what other roles he takes on. Maybe he'll text me some scripts yeah. of him holding it up, kind of like, uh, you know, walking with the Joker 2 script to his buddy Todd Phillips. I'm just so impressed with my main man, Adam Sandler. I love it. Yeah, man, it's it's awesome. And I it, it just gets me so excited like to hear that he's working with the Safety brothers again on a new film. Like, I want more of this in a major way. Like I, I want all of the dramatic, even if it's like a dramedy like this and it's not one of those big like transformative roles or anything like that. This is this is a a really, really good solid performance he's turned in, in this movie and and it's it can't be understated how good of a job he did. All right, now for the difficult part, <clears throat> scene stealer. Because there, well, first of all, the cast is absolutely enormous in this movie. There are so many people who pop in and out, but there is a core set of people that are in the story from start to finish. And I've gone back and forth on this, but I think that ultimately I have to go with Anthony Edwards, who plays... Uh, Wiltz is the is the the character name. Uh, Kermit Wiltz. He's he's the antagonist. And and yes, there are times where um, there are times where it's obvious that he's not giving the best delivery, and the suspension of disbelief gets gets thrown off a little bit. Sure, uh, that's that's going to happen in movies with real stars. Even LeBron being a good actor for an athlete, you get that. So it's extremely hard for these guys as real athletes to come off of doing all of their athlete things and to be an actual good actor. So I give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for that. But what I think is really impressive is that in his scenes, Kermit Wiltz, like Anthony Edwards as Kermit Wiltz, which by the way, this is not Anthony Edwards top gun. This is Anthony Edwards uh, of the Minnesota (laughs) Timberwolves, number one overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft. And one of the, hottest rising stars in the entire NBA. Um, He was in the playoffs a few months ago, just absolutely lighting teams on fire with his skills. Um, So this is a young kid, super ambitious guy, very cocky, just like his character, but he does not have the benefit in any of his scenes of having a seasoned actor as his scene partner. And in every scene that he's in, he's delivering 98% of the dialogue and he has to create a character that is a convincing villain, someone who can get into your head, mess with you, uh, you know, almost a almost a Kobe Bryant type of, of player, somebody who is super cocky, is going to talk smack, is going to get in your head. I mean, there's lots of players other than Kobe Bryant who are big trash talkers, but this is a guy who's really sure of himself. And I feel like he does, he does the job. I feel like in that movie, you're like, man, Kermit Wiltz, this guy is a a menace, an absolute menace. And that first scene where they are, um, or actually it's the, it's the second time they match up when they're at the combine and his, his mom and his daughter are there and he's, he already knows that he was able to get into his head once and he tries to go back at him again. And, uh, he's, he's waving to his daughter and doing all the different things. Like it works, it works really well and it shouldn't work as well as it does. And so even though there are a couple blips where you're like, all right, that wasn't the best delivery, whatever. I love what he was able to do. And I think the level of difficulty on what he was asked to do is really high for a young kid who has no acting experience whatsoever. Um, so much so that they, they cast him in that role when most of these other NBA players were making cameos, playing themselves, etc. You know, this guy had to carve out a character 
own these scenes and create a convincing villain. And I think he did it. So Anthony Edwards, man, you are just rising up my popularity list, both as an NBA player and now I guess as an actor. So great job. You're my scene stealer. Excellent. Excellent. Wonderful. Fantastic choice. Yeah. Just a reminder. They look nothing alike, Anthony Edwards and Anthony Edwards. <laughs> no. They are 30, maybe 40 years apart. <laughs> yeah. No, they, you would not ever mistake them for one another. <laughs> oh, man. My scene stealer goes to the six foot nine. Is he on the Celtics? Cameron? He was. No, he's not anymore. Nuggets he got traded. Now? I think he plays for the Jazz. The six foot nine jazz player, Mr. Juancho Hernan Gomez. I butchered that name, but no, you did all right. He knows he knows my love is there because as I'm friends with Adam, I'm now friends with Juancho Hernan Gomez. I think that what's so impressive with all of these roles is that you think to yourself, like when you get professional wrestlers that come into the acting biz, like uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and John Cena, you're like, well, they've been acting for the first half of their career. They'll yep. figure it out, out how to do it on on a film with a with a real script and a real production. Uh, and then you get these basketball players who, no way, they put on a show. They they are performative to some degree in their skill set, but ultimately their focus is on the game. But when you put these basketball players like their basketball players first, give them lines, give them beats, give them emotional depth that is different from themselves, but close enough where they could draw on it to have uh, mem- sense memory recall. This is what's truly magical when these actors come to play. Because as we know, we've seen Space Jam 1 and 2, and uh, the other basketball players that come into the, those films they didn't get that emotional depth in their writing or they weren't connected enough with the script maybe, or they just weren't right for the screen. I don't know what the casting process of this was. I don't know if Wancho reached out or if he was sought out, but brilliant casting standout performance. I mean, when his career is over in basketball, he's got a, a very good chance if he wants to, to come back to the film industry. I was blown away. I know very few faces on the NBA rosters. Very few. I did not realize that Wancho was an actual basketball player, an actual professional NBA basketball player until about 75% of the way through the movie. And I'm like, I wonder, I just wonder if he is. And of course he is. So bravo to him for duping me because of how well-rounded his acting skills were in this film. Um, you got to think, I th- he's a pretty young guy as well. I think he's 26, 27 now. And the fact that he had to figure out how to convey a full story arc, he had to figure out how to convey having a daughter. I believe he is a single, a single man, um, or at least without child right now. And his relationship with his daughter was so sincere and so authentic that I was just mesmerized by it. I mean, you you have this parallel between Adam Sandler and his and his daughter and, and his wife, and you have uh, Wancho with the struggle of uh, of the of of the the mother of his child and his daughter and his mo- and his own mother and trying to keep his family together and trying to win this dream. And it was all so wonderful. I'm I'm just baffled at people who just walk right in that didn't really have a a full interest in acting and they just kill it. It's kind of 
frustrating, but it's also magical that they just have that in themselves that they can pull out and then just drop it right there on the screen. So Wancho, you're invited for Thanksgiving dinner. I want to talk with you more. Yeah, it's, you know, and it, it, it is the Adam Sandler effect that we talked about too. him being able to sit there and coach him through it and say, here's how you're going to want to deliver this. You know, just I'm going to react to you. You're going to react to me. Here's how we're going to play it. I, I just really feel that. Um, but it's a great choice. It's, it's pretty impeccable. I think um, Wancho is an interesting guy too. It's been nice, you know, because he, he's not a starter in the NBA. He's not a guy who gets tons of minutes. He doesn't, he doesn't put up huge numbers. Um, and he's only been in the league for, uh, probably five or six years at this point and uh, has bounced around teams and things like that. But just to hear him talk about, you know, he, he was, a, he is from Spain and this is similar to kind of his coming up. I mean, not the family dynamic and thing like that, but being exposed to the NBA via European basketball and the way that he looks at LeBron James and these guys as heroes and, you know, LeBron's, a production company Spring Hill Productions was behind this film. He's an executive producer on the movie and was obviously heavily involved in bringing Wancho in for this. And he's, you know, a huge fan of him. So it's all very cool. But yeah, like you said, we've seen professional athletes in movies before. It doesn't usually go well. And for some reason in this movie, it did. And it, they took full advantage of the fact that they had real professional athletes here by doing tons of workouts, skill tests, um, actual scrimmages and games and things like that. Like that was a huge lift to the movie because they didn't have to, you know, like you see Moneyball and all the baseball players are actors and they don't do a ton of actual baseball in the movie. Um, it's not really that kind of movie anyway, but in this movie there was a ton of basketball and it was real and that was really cool. Um, indeed. All right. Moving away from the actors and getting into the, uh, Oh, also, uh, honorable mention to queen Latifah. I thought she was great in this movie too. Really loved her. <laughs> uh, I was, I was excited to see her and I thought she did a good job as, uh, Mrs. Sugarman. It was a, it was a good time. Anyway, into the production of this movie, let's start with showstopper. The thing that blew us away for me I feel like I've been going leaning this route a lot lately. We've had some really good cinematography. I'm going cinematography. There's a lot of different ways I could go, but I felt like the way they shot the game in this movie, uh, the way they photographed it and, and made it look was so thoughtful and done with so much care. And, and it really reflected this theme of being obsessed with the game, loving the game, loving the hustle. Um, because they didn't just, shoot it like you're watching an NBA game. Like they did things that they can't do in an NBA game. I mean, they were shooting things lots of times from a lower angle, probably with a drone or with a, you know, uh, a camera on a rig that's sliding across the court while these guys are flying in the air and doing dunks, making them look like superheroes. They put cameras on the rims. They put cameras on, uh, you know, they would a lot of times like for the scenes where they, you know, it's like, Wancho's character going up against Anthony Edwards, they would just hold a camera in front of Anthony Edwards and have him like have the rest of the play kind of develop behind him as he's, you know, talking smack straight into the camera. They did some really cool things that just made um, the game feel so real and so alive. And I think that one of the things that as a huge NBA fan, one of the things I love about basketball as a game is how beautiful it is to watch. It is such an aesthetically pleasing sport 
to watch because there's so much skill involved in it and the players are so graceful with how they handle the ball and uh, move around the court. And this cinematography really captured that in a way that wasn't just, hey, these guys are professional athletes, so let's shoot them playing some basketball and cut it together into a montage. They like thought about how can we make this look as awesome as possible? How can we make it feel real, um, get people excited, and, and bring a, a level of life to the game that will get people interested in it? Because the goal of this movie is really that it's an advertisement for basketball. That's why all these players are involved. That's why the Philadelphia 76ers helped, up as much, helped out as much as they did the NBA. Like This is a love letter movie to basketball, and I love that they took the care to make the game look at, as good as it possibly could. Um, cinematographer, by the way, is Zach Mulligan, who did cinematography for The Outsider on HBO, which is a Stephen King series. Really good stuff. Um, and I just loved his work in this movie because I thought it was above and beyond what a lot of people would have done. And it was really, really thoughtful and, and well done. So though there were a lot of different ways to go because there's, there's a couple of really impressive things they accomplish in this movie. Um, I had to go with the cinematography because it just caught my eye time and time again. I love it. I really did. Something that caught my eye, the showstopper to this is a little bit more specific um, I'm constantly being um, educated by UCAM about how sports work and how there's always a, uh, like a learning curve with the neck. Every season is like a new opportunity to bring new fans in, right? So baseball has a big problem with age. I don't know how big that is with basketball, but one thing that was absolutely perfectly executed, my showstopper today was the hashtag BOA challenge. Oftentimes we see these these events in in movies especially within the past 15 years trying to bring twitter into the re, into the scope of a movie and make it work make it seem um not make it seem like evergreen content right because as movies have evolved you've had to update technology with with present day movies that are really you know present day may mean whatever it might be just like this elusive whenever right now wherever you are and you have an iphone well that iphone's going to age out right um you have this hashtag boa challenge that bo goes through in order to kind of get his the name of him out once the sixers dump him and the sandman and sugarman i apologize uh sugarman into becoming part of the uh the compound competition right so i loved how realistic they were able to make that work because it absolutely could have been super cheesy and fallen flat on its face but it's a big section in this movie where Bo is trying to earn his both his street cred with his with people and just the, the love of basketball uh how he was uh raised and and doing in Spain and Madrid and, and trying to make that work and also with the real NBA professionals to say, I'm coming for you. I deserve to play on that court. And through this challenge that uh, Sugarman's daughter uh, puts together, uh, that that's how they do it. And I just thought that was wonderful. It, it was really, it really felt real. It didn't felt overblown. And I was ecstatic when they dropped it in, they did it. And then they brought it up later, like in, like in the final, like challenges, the final, um, competitions, uh, lead ups, drills, whatever they were saying, Oh, the, remember the boa challenge? Like, this is it. Let's see it. Let's see him bring the heat. Like all those things. It was really impressive to see that cohesively brought through. So, my showstopper, 
the boa challenge. I love it. And and yeah, to your point, Kirk, um, about the NBA, the NBA's fan base does skew young. Um, it's a very progressive sport. Younger people team, seem to be drifting toward that. And one of the main reasons that that is the case is because the NBA allowed there to be NBA content on YouTube, allowed people to take NBA content, okay. make highlight clips, mixtapes, things like that to get people excited about the sport. Whereas the MLB jealously guards all of their content, um, you know, and, and they put it all behind rights and paywalls and things like that. And the NBA has a lot, a lot more um, nationally televised games on TNT and ESPN and things like that. Whereas most of major league baseball is on regional sports networks. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a younger audience. And what's great about basketball um, and the NBA specifically is it's an international game, truly. I mean, it's huge in China, huge in Africa now, um, really big in Europe. I mean, they have the you know Europa League, basketball FIBA. Um, it's it's huge everywhere, and it's a multicultural game. Uh, any you know, it, it, it's its own language, and that's the thing that's really beautiful about it. Like, there is a ton of diversity in the fan base of the NBA. There's a ton of diversity in the players in the NBA, uh, the WNBA. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a really, it's like its own multicultural melting pot group. That's just like loves basketball and it, and it itself acts as its own language. And that's one of the things I love most about the game. And it was so wonderfully represented in this movie to your point. So like basketball is always at the forefront of social media. It always has been as long as it's been around. I mean, you go on Twitter during the NBA playoffs or whatever, even the NBA offseason, it's basketball Twitter is a huge thing. NBA Twitter is huge. So the idea that there's a social media challenge um, based on a player seems very real. I could have seen something like that happening with Zion Williamson when he was coming up doing all his crazy dunks. Like that is I, – I would I buy that. I definitely buy that. So there's really is good execution, um, as you pointed out, Kirk. All right. Moving right along to director shoes – I think for me, I wish they would have leaned a little bit more away from the formula, the sports movie formula, because I feel like there were so many things they had to their advantage here um, to make it not a formulaic uh, sports movie, especially considering this is not based on a true story, so you don't have to fall into that uh, bio sports biopic cookie cutter thing that we saw King Richard fall into. Um, and you can kind of make it, your own and you also have real players that can play the game at an extremely high level as evidenced by everybody who is in this movie. So just get away from some of that stuff. The whole, the whole thing is so predictable and has lots of the familiar archetypes specifically like Vince Merrick as a character, the like son who inherits the team who makes tons of bad decisions and is going like scorched earth on everybody. Like, that character didn't really do anything for me. It wasn't a super viable antagonist. And I didn't love that whole plot line. Um, I also didn't love the plot line that like Juancho Hernan Gomez is character. Bo Cruz committed assault and then was like a hothead. Like, I think you can have him be a hothead and make the story about like, you have to stay in the game. You have to like, focus on your family and things like that. And for him to find a center somewhere there without having to do the like assault thing. Um, 
even though the scene where he's talking about what happened with the assault and Adam Sandler's uh, talks about his past is really powerful. I feel like there were other ways that they could have gone about that without going that route. So I would have liked to see them subvert the typical formula for a sports movie and give us something totally different because so much of what they accomplished here was very thoughtful and very, very well done. And the narrative works really well. Um, but I think there were opportunities to get away from that formula, do something that's a little bit less predictable, hit us with a left hook. I mean, this is a fiction movie. It's based, you know, set in reality, but it's, it's a fiction movie. So give us something we don't expect. Don't just, you know, have it be the, the typical rise to the top kind of thing. I mean, every single thing that happens in this movie, you see it coming like the very end, whenever he's dropping him off at the airport, I mean, you know, his phone's going to ring. It's you're just like waiting for it to happen. You know that he's going to make the NBA and that he's going to be the coach and all that stuff. Like it, it works. It's just, there was, there were clearly so many thoughtful minds behind this movie that I know they could have done more. And that's something that I look for to take a movie to the next level. It's not to say that this movie isn't good. It's just that it could be truly iconic and great if it does something different. And I didn't feel like this movie did anything different formulaically. There were other things that it did well though. Beautiful. My director's shoes. Let me put on my, uh, my kicks, my Jordans. You know what I want, Cam? I want, I literally want some like non-branded shoes and I want to write director's shoes all over them and put them on <laughs> when we get to this portion of the podcast. <laughs> like, all right, time to put on my director's shoes. It's like a whole segment, like a three minute segment, like Mr. Rogers when he ties yeah, his shoes. Yeah, it's a whole bit of us just like putting on the <laughs> shoes, fumbling with the shoes, trying to tie them. Yes, and falling and like hitting our microphone. We have this coordinated bit where I like throw you a shoe and you catch it, you know, on the other side. It's like really cheesy. Uh, I can see it. I see the vision. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to work on buying some, finding those shoes this weekend. please. And my director's shoes comes down to casting and superfluous characters because this movie has such good heart Yes, it is formulaic. It, it follows it almost to a T. Uh, oh, he has assault charges. Of course he does. Every every NBA, <laughs> not every NBA player, but a lot of our, our most favorite stars have a, a checkered past, right? And they're overcoming that, right? So, But the casting and the superfluous characters in this just don't make sense. You cast Jaleel White, Ben Foster, uh, Heidi Gardner, which is SNL's favorite awkward girl, and Queen Latifah. And you underutilized every single one of them. All four of them were just like, they were there. And we all knew they were there. We saw them there. I was excited for so much more with them. Specifically, Jaleel White, when he goes into that boardroom and Jaleel White's like, what's up? And he's like, just like exuding confidence, exuding his screen, uh, his on-screen persona of of just, um, I control this screen. Like, he doesn't even have to do anything. He spoke five five words, maybe 15 lines altogether. Give him more. And specifically the casting of Queen Latifah. Uh, I, I want to talk about that because while Queen Latifah did an 
excellent job. And the writing and the characters uh, and the, the chemistry between Adam Sandler and Queen Latifah blew me away. I loved all the little intricacies they put in. There's a scene where, where he's making fun of her feet and she give, throws it right back at him. Uh, and you just thought he was going to get slapped. But like the way they cultivated how that relationship authentically works was beautiful. Queen Latifah came into this as a total surprise, total curveball. Uh, because it seemed like she was miscast and then she basically had to fight in her scenes to like earn her place which she did but it felt like the whole time I was looking at her saying all right prove you're supposed to be Adam Sandler's wife because we see Adam Sandler first and for a long time before we get introduced that Queen Latifah is his wife in this movie so that might have been more of an editing mistake versus a casting mistake but I, and she ultimately wins me over. It just it it felt so off guard that the that they didn't really use these four actors to their fullest potential, and their storylines like kind of fall off. Especially Heidi Gardner's just disappears. Uh, Queen Latifah rises and rises and gets a little bit more. And there's there's some good um, uh, good encouragement that she that she gives to like remind him like listen all, all the stuff we've been through, all the stuff that I that I was, I still am, and and the, that storyline is fantastic but ultimately wasn't quite balanced out for my taste yeah i think they like they they like throttled up too fast on their relationship almost it was like because they are so tight and they have this relationship where like you know she makes fun of his weight and and he makes fun of her feet and stuff like that like they're that kind of couple that's like in it like you can't say anything that's going to throw me off guard. And they're just right. like blood, sweat and tears kind of couple. The first few scenes where they're like already in the thick of that, it's like hard to buy at the beginning. Like to your point, like it's, it's like uh, chemistry wise. I don't know that I see this, but they, and then they have to kind of like painstakingly carve it out and make it work, which to your point they do. And mm-hmm. I think that that dinner scene where it's like, them two and the daughter and Wancho's character there goes miles for that because they're having banter and they're like kind of controlling the table and the intricacies, like the nuance in their conversation and the way they're reacting to each other is very real. That to me is like where it comes full circle, but yeah. she's such a, she, I think part of it too is just that she's so iconic too. Right. It's like you see her and you're like, She's not the wife in a movie, you know. She's <laughs> Queen Latifah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so I get, I, I do get that for sure. But yeah, I, Ben Foster's character, man, that character sucked. I, I, I hated that character. Um, and they, it, it just was such a, such an archetype, like lame villain type antagonist that just wasn't overly well written and a lot of his stuff was really cheesy and i was just like what are we doing here he's a good actor he's a good actor he Um, is and heidi gardner yeah like in the movie for the first three minutes gone forever back at the end and then a final nod like from a distance like you did it yeah i did do it (laughs) okay some strange choices i think they they were juggling a lot of, of a lot of balls in this movie so um good call all right let's wrap things up with final thoughts and scores um, I, I think that what this movie lacks in, um, you know, believability because some of the acting performances kind of take you out of it from time to time. It more than makes up for with heart. This movie has a ton of heart and it's totally anchored by our main relationship of 
Stanley Sugarman and Bo Cruz, and and they they go to such lengths to make sure the dialogue is natural and flows. And I have to imagine that Adam Sandler was involved in in really tightening that up. But our writers, it's really interesting. There's a writing duo in this movie I didn't talk about. The one guy has written for the NBA 2K games, like the story mode, and the other guy has written um, for tons of other things, uh, including. Hold on one second. I had it in my notes, but now I've lost it. Oh, including like A Star is Born and some other like big dramatic movies. Uh, so it's a really interesting duo. And I think that that was the thing that like, if the if the dialogue started to seem s- too serious, I would bet our NBA 2K writer is like, let's, here's how you talk about basketball and here's how we bring some levity because this is how people see the game. Um, but they do a really good job, I think, with the dialogue to make that, that main relationship and the surrounding relationships anchor the movie and like give it a ton of heart and a ton of appeal. You find yourself smiling a ton watching this movie and watching the relationships grow and listening to the one liners they're throwing at each other. Um, Awesome through lines throughout this movie. They wrap up just about everything they introduce and they, they hit things with perfect timing. They're like, okay, we mentioned this at the beginning. It's time to hit that again as a reminder so that we can hit them the third time and really get the payoff at the end. Very thoughtful. And I also think them being disciplined enough to wait on the reveal with Adam Sandler's past and why he, you know, people talk about his checkered past and why he isn't farther along in his career after being in the NBA for, you know, 30 years. That reveal paid off huge and Adam Sandler kills in his monologue during that scene. Um, so a lot of it works really well. Ultimately it just didn't go far enough to be that iconic movie. Like I said, it's a great sports movie, really good sports movie. Um, and if you're wanting to watch it and you like a predictable movie, you'll love it. It's fun. It makes you smile. It's very predictable. You don't get you're not going to cry, you know, it's, it's, there's no like big heartbreaking, terrifying scene or anything like that because it's not a based on a true story movie. It's just honestly good fun, great basketball action, but it doesn't do anything groundbreaking. Uh, and so for me, I'm putting it and I'm, I'm surprising myself with this because I love basketball so much and I had such a, such a fun time watching this movie, but I'm putting it at 7.9 just because, uh, there was more. There was more that could have been done there, and I wish they would have gone out and got it. But 7.9 is a great score, especially for a sports movie, especially for having mostly real NBA players as the actors in the film. I was I was very impl- impressed and would definitely watch it again. Well, 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 welly, well, well. It's time for my score to see how close we get. If you're not an avid sports watcher like myself... And you say, will I like this sports movie? The answer is, I think yes. I think very much so yes, because um, I enjoy passively watching a lot of sports. Sometimes it's very easy to get into things. And sometimes I have to be like really in the mood for for a sports game to be like, yes, I'm going all in. I'm going to jump up and down. I'm going to scream my head off. Uh, that takes a lot for me. And I was rooting for all of these characters, except for you, Ben Foster, you villain. Um, but I think that, again, the heart of this film, they spent so much time on. And that is the payoff that keeps this movie going. And it's, and it's 
predictable, formulaic uh, blueprint, I think that what we find is that it doesn't matter at times, at times. I feel like you can look past it if it's authentic enough and if it is not just checking a box like, okay, um, assault charge on the basketball player and, um, oh, he got in a car accident. Adam Sandler, he was a former fantastic basketball player. Now he can't. Now this is life. Those sorts of, sorts of things are checking the box, but the reveal of it was well and the the concern and the stakes of it, I think, were what was really well as well. So a reminder, if you are not a big sports fan, wondering if you should watch this, you will definitely enjoy it. You'll definitely not be bored uh, through it through the entire ending. One of the quotes that Adam Sandler says in that big speech that Cameron was talking about, he says, I love this game. I live this game. There's a thousand other guys waiting in the wings who are obsessed with this game. And you can apply that to dozens of things, but applying it to someone's specific passion about the game of basketball and what that means to them in their personal life, in their profession, in their journey as a person. I think there's a there's a big story right there compared acted into this this quick movie it's such an easy watch and while uh i while i did have some pretty uh steep things to say about the casting and where that didn't go anywhere um supporting casts are important the heart of it really won me over on this this is gonna blow your socks off i'm giving this a 9.2 out of 10 kernels today i love it i love it i'm i'm glad and does it make you want to watch nba basketball kirk it does. It really does. Because yeah. at the ending, we're doing spoilers for this episode, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> As always. At the ending, when he walks out onto the court, he's in his, Adam Sandler's in his full assistant coach suit, and he's uh, he's back with the Sixers. He is, he gets up and he sees Wancho turn around in the Celtics gear, and you're like, what? Hold on. And there's a little bit of like crush spirit into your life but if you at least know the level of sports like at the at the baseline right very rarely do players stick with their team forever yep. very rarely and they bounce around a little bit right too so you're like oh like look at they're they're like they're still such good friends there and then you're like he's like i know i know his skill set here's what you're going to do to take him out and there's like a camaraderie with that it's not like an evil maniacal uh move it's like Here's how you got to take him down, but also a hinge of good luck because he's really good, right? So all, all of that, it really, um, it really makes me want to like watch a little bit more since I've, I'm connected a little bit more. I want to watch Juan Show succeed, and maybe this role will uh, kind of boost his uh, status in the NBA to give him some more uh, minutes in the game. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, to your point, like. If you watch a game, you will always see pregame and postgame this like mix of assistant coaches and trainers going over to the other team's players and like dapping them up and being like, What's up, man? How's it going? Because you have no idea what the path has been. Maybe that was a guy who was a skills coach for them. Maybe they were their AAU coach. Maybe they were, you know, their sons played like, like his son played with you whenever you were coming up through college or, you know, your college coach knows him. Like, there's such a, it's a family thing. So it's like, yeah, we're going to kill you when we're on the court. But as soon as the game's over and before, like you're still my boys and uh, it's, it's cool. It really is just like such a close knit group and you love to see the camaraderie. 
Um, so it's, it's a cool sport. It's my favorite sport. I love basketball. Um, great movie hustle really checked a ton of boxes. It's very fun. I'm certainly going to make my wife sit down and watch it cause she loves the NBA. So, uh, it's a good time. If you guys liked it, let us know if you hated it, let us know. Let's talk about it. Let's have some civil discourse about the movie and chat through it, but it's available on Netflix. If you're listening to this kind of trying to be like, uh, I want to hear what this is about before I watch it, and I don't really care about spoilers. Go go give it a try. It's still number one on the top ten, and uh, if you listen to, to both Kirk and myself, I think you will enjoy it, and uh, we'll leave you at that. We're going to check out. Hope you have a wonderful Friday or whatever day of the week it is that you are listening to this, and we're going to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric. Who created our original music, which you are hearing right now. Check them out on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, whatever. And we will see you all next week. Talk to you then.